Welcome to Rogue Bo. This is the basketball series. Uh, a lot of people have been asking for an emergency podcast, pro. So they wanted us to do one a couple of days ago with everything coming out. Never a dull moment uh, in the NBA, pro. Yeah, I got five or six calls today, and you know they're they're, they're chomping at the bit. I mean, everybody wants to know how you and I think about where Jay Crowder is going to go uh, in this trade demand. So uh, I think that's, that's what everybody's really on the edge of their seat about what we're, what we're trying to, what we think about that. So, you know. Great decoy. Great decoy to start the podcast. Um, but there is a lot going on. I mean, it was kind of quiet the last couple of weeks. Besides the Sava thing, there wasn't a whole lot of news. But we got to start with Ime Udoka, pro. It's... Um, yeah, it's, this is not a good situation for a number of reasons. There's a lot of twists and turns in this story. I think we're both somewhat across uh, what's going on, or at least uh, you know I am. We've texted back and forth, and it's not completely clear what what the details are. But we have, I think, we have eighty, ninety percent of of what has transpired. For those not familiar with what we're talking about, we'll break it down real quick and get into it. Um, Doka has been suspended for one year for unspecified violation of organizational guidelines. So very open-ended there. That can mean a lot of different things. Um, first of, for me, Pro, is like why the suspension? I mean, I guess just real quick, you don't have to go into this deeply. Would that be in your mindset? So other team, if they were to release him, so other teams can't touch him or they, I think Boston may be uh, gauging or gorging, however you want to say it, the, 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 the public sentiment with this. Um, see if the public are flipping out, this, that, uh, and they keep him on the shelf for a year and then maybe he comes back. But what, why one year in your, in your opinion? Well, I think, I think what the ownership group of Boston's figuring out is, look, this is a billion dollar corporation. This is, this is not an AAU team. And when you do something like this, it has to be punished. And when you punish and no one's above the punishment, I think that it, he's still a championship level coach, at least from last year. You know, he's the darling in the league, makes it his first year. He's got a lot of, I wouldn't say history because he's only been there a year, but I think a lot of people had some big hopes for him and a big hopes for the organization. I think that, like you said, they got to gauge what's going on with the whole process. But just to give that coach up, a couple of reasons. Depending on what the arbitration would be, if you fire him, even though it's with cause, money-wise, you know, you're still on the hook for his contract. You know, depending unless you sort of iron that out. But you know, also you don't want to give that back up unless someone else hires him. And then I, I think right now they they got to give themselves some time and. I think that's the first thing, you know, figure out the, you know, the whole story, figure out what the organization, what's the sort of, you know, reading the tea leaves of how this is going to work. And then obviously see what the new coach is going to do and going forward. Do you, you know, because now they have all the power in this and, and I think they handled it as well as anybody else could have handled this. Uh, I could, I do commend the ownership for doing that. Um, I wouldn't have just fired him. I think it was chess. Uh, yeah. I, th I think it's a chess move by them. I, I think, first of all, they released uh, the Boston Celtics that, you know, there's Ime Doka's um, 
broken team organizational guidelines without a penalty. So they've put that out and they've waited and put their ear to the ground to see what the perception was, what, what's, you know, maybe also to see if the full story comes out over a couple of days. So I think they've played this in a, in a, a very good way for them as well because they're protecting themselves, um, which they have to do as an organization. But as we get into it, I mean, this is, you know, allegedly what has transpired. There, there was a relationship um, from what I've been told, uh, two different women in the organization, um, consensual, fully consensual relationship, which carried on through the, through the championship run um, or, or last season when they went to the championship. And uh, fully consensual, no issues there. Um, the, I believe one of the women was married or is married, um, which, you know, within all this, I think there's, there is a conversation to be had about, you know, there needs to be some sort of discussion around a married woman also engaging because it takes two to tango. Um, so that's the first part of it. And the second part beyond that is that allegedly the relationship with both the, uh, the women was caught off by the women, it was said, enough's enough, we're not doing this anymore. And I believe this is when um, Adoka continued to make advances, continued to pursue, uh, they, they wouldn't take no for an answer type. Now, I don't think it was, I don't think it was physical. That has not been the news I've got. I, I believe it was, um, you know, verbal via text in person, that kind of stuff. But I don't think it was a DV situation. Um, now, it could be wrong in a couple of days, right, Pro? Like, this is, this is the only information I have to talk about um, right now. But that, that, is, that is what has transpired, where I believe the females in question felt uncomfortable at that point. And um, obviously, it's a tricky situation. This is the head coach of one of the best teams in the NBA. You're going to have an interaction with him, even if you're selling tickets, even if you're in the ticket office, you're going to have an interaction with the head coach eventually, right? So it's something that's unavoidable. So that there is an un uncomfortable part of that. And if that is right, I mean, some people say a year is warranted. Some people say it should be more. Some people say, well, if it's a year, why not just get rid of him? There's a lot, there's a lot of nuance in this. And, uh, you know, like I said, I think we've got 80, 90% of it. But, you know, you move on from that, you see, you know, Matt Barnes, um, which is a separate conversation. He defends Imei Doka initially, then backtracks heavily, quoted as saying it's deep and messy and a hundred times uglier than any of us thought. I don't know how to take this neither because I think I think Matt definitely got a call from the higher-ups. Um, you know, he, he's an ESPN panelist at times. He's got a check from the NBA slash ESPN. So I think that played a part. So there's a lot of murky, muddy water with all of this. Now, I think if, if Adoka has engaged in an aggressive tact to continue this relationship with these women after they said no, I think that's an issue. That's definitely an issue. And now the question is, do people think that's a year suspension? Do it's not? I'm not sure. I mean, I, don't, I, don't, I need to know a bit more um, around the details of that. But I think a year on face value is, is fair right now. Um, but it's, you know, it's like I said, the, the women in question, um, I don't think they can be named because of legal reasons. Uh, this, what this has also done is it's fueled speculation on Twitter with a bunch of people have just gone on the Celtics website, got all the women and then got people just taking guesses about who it would be by looks or whatever. Um, Adoka is in a relationship with a child. I mean, it's very, very messy and this is not, this is not what you want. But um, just to finish this pro and then I'll get you to chime in. I'm just going to put this out there so people aren't surprised. Um, this is the part that is uncomfortable and people won't want to hear. 
Um, I've been, I was in the NBA for you know 14, 15 years. Every team, and by every, I mean fucking every team I have been on has had an inter-office relationship of some sort. Now, people traditionally will think players and cheerleaders, right? That was the traditional easygoing way. It's much worse than that. And every team in the league would have this, whether it's a player and a cheerleader, whether it's a player and a training staff member, whether it's a player and a masseuse, a team masseuse, whether it's a player and someone in the ticketing office, I don't care. There's relationships right now, pro, as we speak, that, are, that have happened and are ongoing in NBA teams. Um, so to now sit here and act like this is outrageous, and it goes back to Ethan's point last week, the perception the NBA has publicly compared to what it really is are vast, vast disparities. Like it's not even close. And people might criticize me for airing this dirty laundry. I'm not going to name names, but this is fact. It's, it's, and, and I would argue this is fact in most workplaces. I don't care if you work at the best investment firm in the world and you've got a contract that says you cannot engage with other, there's people doing it. It's human nature, humans, you know, uh, animals to an extent. There's a lot of sexual tension, especially in the NBA. When you've got, when you've got, and this is the unfortunate reality. You want you want female empowerment, and you want females to get a fair chance for jobs. What people don't understand, and this is an excuse, I'm not condoning it. 82 games, 41 on the road. You're going out to team dinners. There's drinks had 41 different times on the road. There's there's mingling. There's 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 flirting going on. There's sexual tension. Shit goes down, pro. Um, so I just want to put it out there for everybody who thinks this is a shocking revelation in the NBA. Oh my God, he married Doka. I can't believe he did that. This is every team. And I'd like to hear your thoughts, pro. Honest, you don't have to name names, but have you, have you ever had a season in the NBA where you, you have not heard any innuendo or any rumors about people within the organization? Well, one. No, I mean, there's multiple, um, multiple, most of which were other teams. Like, uh, you know, there's a, there was a team in the Western Conference that uh, an assistant coach was having an affair with a uh, secretary. He got let go. Oh, he got let go. And then I've heard it on an East Coast team where a prominent assistant coach, again, same thing, somebody in the front office, uh, secretary, I think, again. And this is this goes on for sure. And you know, this, the consensual thing, folks, to me, I just don't think it should be allowed. It's just not good. It's just not good. It opens you up for a lot of bad stuff. You know, it, it opens you up for lawsuits, you know, especially your head coach. Look, Ami Doka is a thousand percent wrong, you know, but like, you know, the person that he had the affair with, it wasn't like an assistant coach or someone that he has direct at least that's not what was given to us information wise. Like it wasn't like he has to. Yeah. And he could promote this person or get them fired easily. This was somebody on the other side, but it still should not happen. It shouldn't happen at all. And he needs to know that. And the female needs to know that, you know, he's definitely at fault here, but the female in today's society, of women empowerment, you can easily go and talk to somebody if you're feeling uncomfortable, you don't want this. 
But you got to know that this is not going to end well. There hasn't been a secret kept since the JFK assassination. Like no, like everybody, all everybody's dirty Always comes out. Everybody's dirty laundry eventually comes out. So you know, and I think that like, look, in, in, in today's today's world, it's like the Celtics t- handled it. Then there's people that say it, it was racist to do what they did. Then there's Malika Andrews going off about the female aspect about. You know, we got to talk about <coughs> the females that are at harm's way here. You know, you can't point a finger at the female. You're like, you got a million different people's, you know, ideas that, oh, I did, like, my cause is more important than your cause. And I think given what was happening, you know, they, they found out about it in July. They probably told them, hey, you got to cut this shit out. And then obviously didn't listen. The, the Celtics... The ownership dealt with it. You know, they brought an outside firm. They communicated. The guy went back on his word and then they had to act on it and they acted on it. If, you know, and then the year suspension, you might be with it. You might be against it. Look, he needs to be punished. He should not be allowed to go and work this year or next year if they feel as though he, they don't want him to do that. Because he embarrassed these this organization, he embarrassed the league, he embarrassed the profession. And again, these are when is somebody going to finally say these are billion dollar corporations? You don't see Apple and Google and well, you might, but you know, for the most part, like big time corporations that are worth billions of dollars. You can't treat it like you're in fucking college and this is something out of a fucking movie. It's not. You have to respect your position. You have to respect the organization. You have to respect the fucking league and your profession of what you're trying to do. And I thought the Celtics handled it well, as well as you could. They're not going to handle it perfectly. And they can't, you know, legally, I think that they couldn't like basically tell everybody what was going on and release names. Like something that happens like this. Look, everything is going to get leaked. You're either going to leak it to Woj, you're going to leak it to Shams, you're going to leak it to somebody. Everybody leaks. That's just what happens. So this stuff is going to get out, and that's just the reality. People love the fucking drama. They love it. They love stuff like this. They love the Sauber stuff. They love the the behind-the-scenes things that happen in the league. And this is just what happens, and people report on it. Sometimes they fuck it up. And what are you going to do? It's just, it's human nature. People, like when I had a phone call that day, um, Bogues, and some, like I didn't know who was involved. And somebody said, hey, an assistant coach was involved. And I'm like, they tweet, somebody tweeted it out. I got it from like five different accounts. And I said, okay, well, that's the information then. And then I tell people that are in my group chat, hey, I heard it was this person. And then you find out that it was bullshit. So, you know, that's why it's easy to like be emotional about it, to pick your side and then more information comes in and like, holy fuck, I got to retract this because I didn't get, have that information yesterday. So I don't know, Bogues, what, what are your thoughts again? Going- I mean, it's, <clears throat> I mean, I disagree with you where this, this should, this needs to be stopped in organization. It's never going to be stopped. Human beings are animals, man. Like it's, I, I just, 
with the level level of testosterone in NBA locker room, um, just the NBA locker room, and now now you have all these former players going into coaching roles and, and front office roles, and you've got all that, and then you've got there's just so much. That, you know, NBA team has what three four you know three four hundred employees maybe all up with ticketing staff and everything these days. That's a lot of people that are working in close quarters together, right? And then you factor in the plane trips and the bus trips for the ones that travel. I just don't think you're going to stop it. I don't think I think to your point about Apple and Google, I think it happens there as well. It's the fact the difference is they're on a 150 grand a year and no one gives a fuck who, who they are. No offense to them. They're not celebrities. They're not in the public eye. So it happens in every workforce, right? So I'm not, that, that's not an excuse for either party, but I, I think that the women involved also need to take some sort of you know, responsibility for this. Like, like did you not know Eme had a, had a fiance and a kid or, or a girlfriend and a kid? Did you not know that? Like th- there's some wrong in that as well that we, we you know, allowed to discuss because it's a taboo subject. I'm not blaming, like I said, what happened after the consensual acts between those people where he continued, I strongly condone. They said, no, dude, move on. Like, get out of here. Like, move on. Strongly against that. But the consensual relationship, this, it's 50-50. It's two to tango. You knew, you knew that was not a married man, but pretty much got a child with a with a, an actress. You knew what you were doing. And they were, uh, from what I hear, one was married herself. So it's like, uh, and, 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 you know, there has to, there's two to tango. But I think... I don't know if, if one year's right, if it's wrong. I, I don't know. I, I don't think he's going to escape this easily. I, I, th- I highly doubt he's going to be back coaching the Celtics in a year, Pro. I just don't. Oh, no. no matter how good of a coach. I, I, I know your point is that he's a championship coach. He's, he's, he's proved himself. He's done a fantastic job. They're still a pretty good team even before he may got there, right? They were on, on the bubble, kind of a la Warriors-ish when Steve Kerr came in. He inherited kind of a goldmine of, of a team that was still pretty good and needed a few small tweaks. And don't get me wrong, he did a fantastic job. I don't think this. I think public sentiment won't allow him to just slide back in next season. I just don't think it happens. I think you know. I think he's severely hurt his 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 prospects as what should have potentially been a, a fantastic head coach for a long time. Just with the way the world's going, do I think that's fair? No. I think everyone deserves a second chance. I don't think he did. Like I said, from what I've got so far. What he did was not right. I think a year's about the right number, but if more comes out with this, even if it doesn't, I, I don't think he's going to coach for, for a long, long time. And if he does, I think he's going to have to come back through that assistant route and just quietly kind of work his way back up to the top, kind of like what Jason Kidd did or, or a few other guys did and just and, and end up with a head coaching spot. There'll still be people, and even if he gets a head coaching job in 10 years, there'll still be people that are like, he shouldn't. Sure. There'll be people like he should. And, and you look at, you know, what's uh, the Boston Celtics interim head coach? What's his name, bro? You got his name? Yeah, Joe Mazzulla. Joe Mazzulla. Okay, so so he had a domestic violence charge in 09-10 apparently uh, when he was in, in college or, or, or back in the younger days. Um, coaching, or He was probably coaching in college. Um, he might have been so playing at West Virginia. He, yeah, he might have been playing. playing. Yeah, so, yeah. He, so he... So he so he so that was brought up. As soon as he was promoted as interim, people dug dirt on him and said, well, now you've, now you've uh, promoted and put... In, in, in charge of the Boston Celtics, someone who has that 15 odd years, you know, t- 12 years ago. So, where do you draw the line? I mean, should people be forgiven? What's the over under on how many years you need to be punished? So, it, it's a tough situation. And like you said earlier, like what you said, it's not fluid. You've got, you've got women empowerment slash feminists firing up. You've got people like Stephen A, of course, thinking it's racist. Um, you've got people that are banning him for life. You've got people that are like, oh, no harm, no foul. But like I said to everyone, this this happens. This is M- this is in the NBA. Uh, I, I mean, I I was shocked how bad it was when I came in as a as a rookie. I came in at a different time too. No social media, so it was a lot less 
risk uh, of, 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 of extracurricular activity getting out there than it is today. And I saw and heard some absolutely crazy shit, absolutely crazy shit that people would just would be like, they wouldn't believe the stories if I told them, right? Um, talking, I'm talking, there was a guy that I heard a story about before I got to the team, a couple of years before I was there that was, you know, taking down uh, interns at halftime, Pro at halftime of games, he was on the IR at the time, and you know he took down a you know he's he's getting sexual with an intern in the trainer's office during a game, during an NBA game. The whole team's out on the court, you know, and, and that's just the people are going to look at that like, whoa, that's that's crazy. That's these were the stories that would you after like a year or two, it was kind of like eh, it's the NBA, like. It, and I'm, uh, once again, I don't condone it, but I'm telling you facts of, of of what the NBA is like. It is still like that somewhat to this day. Now, is it is it still like I said at halftime in the training room? Probably not. But there's there's a lot of relationships going on. I've heard stories firsthand from numerous different people all throughout my career about this staff member, that staff member, this player did X, that player did Y. It is what it is. Let's not act like this is a big shock that this is, oh my goodness. And that's where I think I agree somewhat with people that are saying Imei might be a little bit hard done by or should it be a year? Because this is this is rampant. If the NBA is acting like this is a one-off, it's not. And you're going to have a lot of, a lot of, uh, all right, I've got, got a question for you, Pro. So this season, this this training camp, we find out that a player is taking down a cheerleader or a player is taking down someone in ticket office. What happens to the player? There might be a little bit of thing, but it's not going to be. It's not going to be a year. Single, single, single man, single man, no, no family. Young rookie comes out his first year out of college. He's he's running through the organization. He's he's got three or four different girls on the go within the organization. What happens to the player? Generally nothing. nothing. Generally nothing. So, and it's and, and it's generally known about by teams. I'll try to move the chess pieces around on the board to keep people quiet. That's just the reality of it. So, if people are shocked by that, well, shock away. But that's that's kind of the reality. I, I, look, I hope. People come to their senses, and this this all works out. I hope there's not any more news about more than any more than what we know. Because if there's more coming out than what we know, it's not going to. There's no there's no more good after what we know, bro. So I just hope this is it, and he, you know we can move on with it. But it's it's definitely lit a fire in the NBA, and I think that there'll be a lot of teams, owners, and front office and coaches with their ears pricked up um, watching this case closely. Yeah, you know what, with the Boston deal, Bogues and how they reacted to it. You know what, like I've been hearing for the last three days, well, it happens all the time, blah, blah, blah. I get that. But you know what? Enough's a fuck enough. Boston's finally saying, look, this is not how business is done in a championship level team. Look, I get it. I understand what you're saying. It won't, st- you know, it won't stop it. For sure, it won't stop it. But you know what? They should put their foot down and be like, I would do it league-wide, but whatever. If I was running a team, ironclad, nobody's dating anybody or there'll be severe consequences because this is the shit that happens. And if they're going to do it anyway, they're going to do it anyway, that's fine. But if they get caught... There's got to be severe consequences because okay, what, if, what if they get engaged, pro? What if they get engaged? Or no, married? fuck that. Because like there's legally, there's always like, you know, today, especially this isn't 15 years ago where there was a lot more like actual loyalty. Like if, if I'm a guy or a girl and I'm hot and I'm dating somebody ahead of me, above me, and it goes bad, it goes wrong one yeah. way or another. I'm, it always know, ends bad. And yeah, and I feel slighted. I'm going to sue. 
because that person's ahead of me. Uh, they have quote unquote a position of power. I don't, I think it's bullshit, but I remember when the Mavs thing happened in 18, we had to go through a few seminars and stuff. And like what they told us are basically like, basically like this outside firm, this lady came in and talked, spoke to us and he goes, you should not be, you like if you're ahead of somebody, uh, you're above them. You should not be engaging in anything, consensual or not. You should not be engaging because the position of power, you know, if someone gets slighted, that's a big time lawsuit and you're putting your job in, in jeopardy as well as the organization. So I would say, look, if you guys want to do this, one person's going to have to quit because we can't have it. We cannot have it. This isn't the fucking office with Michael Scott fucking signing a love contract to, you know, to fucking to date, to date Jan, right? This yeah. is real shit. And I get you, Bogues, a thousand percent. I agree. Percent. I, I, I agree. It muddies the waters. Um, but on the flip side, there's a lot of people that have had fulfilling relationships by meeting someone at work. So it, it is hard, but it does. Like if you've got a position of power, I mean, what if what if the what if the the woman is is is, is chasing someone in the position of power? You know, there's also that that plays out as well. We know about that. There's yeah, and, and vice versa. There's there's a there's a male that's in a position of power that sees himself as like oh, I can. You better listen to me and do what I say, otherwise, blah blah blah. So I, I think it's it sucks. Um, and it's not going to end. It's a period not going to end. That's, that's just my opinion. I, I don't care what, what... And then, look, you put in you put in, you put put in, in some contract, something that says immediate firing if we hear about any relationship. That to a lot of people is thrilling too. <laughs> Let's not forget, you know, people have their different quirks and, 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 and likes and whatever, right? The, the things that, that, that turn them on. That, that for a lot of people, you know, you feel like you're, you know, you're James Bond to an extent, right? Like sneaking around doing this and that's why, you know, people, you know, cheat, cheat on their spouses and whatever. It's some people do it for the thrill. Um, you're still going to have people do it no matter what what's in an ironclad contract. But um, moving forward, like I said, I think there's going to be a lot of teams, you know, watching this case and seeing how it goes and, I guess the, the rest will be history. But um, it, it, it hurts the Celtics, man. I mean, they, they had a chance to... To be, you know, go back to a championship and potentially go one up on that. You know, they're they're one of the favorites this season. And I will give. I've been very hard on Mark Spears being race baiter, all this stuff. But I will give him some props from last week. Allison Feaster was the director of player development, vice president, um, and she was one of the people that were rumored to be in it. And you know, her her picture was you know being shared all yeah, over the internet. Socials. And he came out and said, look, Allison Feaster is not part of the investigation. Now, you could be wrong on it, but I do respect that because she was getting a lot of heat probably. And look, you got too many jerk offs on the fucking internet you know, playing fucking Columbo and fucking Sherlock Holmes trying to go through the fucking directory. And it's totally wrong, but it's just human nature. But I will give him credit for you know, saying, hey, she's not a part of it. Lay the fuck low, you know, get off her back with it. I do respect that. And because, I, again, I'll, re I'll, you know, I've been pretty tough on the guy and I'm not a huge fan, but I will give him credit for that. That was, that was pretty cool. Yeah, and that, you never want to see that. Uh, you know, 
when they started, people on the internet start posting pictures of different people. That can affect their family, their friends, you know, so you never want to see that. So I, I totally agree. Uh, that's why I don't want to name names because um, we're still not 100% sure. But that's the story that I just relayed, That that's kind of the closest of what I have from kind of my inner circle of people that give me pretty good insights in the NBA. And um, like you said, I think in another couple of weeks it'll probably be out and then... You know, if, if let's say Ime's, uh, you know, fiance, girlfriend goes to court as well, I'm sure more will, be, more will come out as well, you know, um, and that's when all the details will come out. But we will see where that all goes. It's, once again, a tricky situation. I don't think there's a right answer in this one. Um, but, you know, I think it takes two to tango and, and we move on from there. And moving on to Robert Saba, he will sell the team pro. This was this kind of blindsided me. I didn't think this would happen that quickly. Um, I thought he'd be a stubborn bastard and, and hold out, as we spoke about on one of the pods. Um, rumored at two point five bill uh, as of today it was was what I got. It was pretty fair. He paid four hundred for it, so four hundred fifty for it, I think. Um, so he's made a nice little earn on that. Um, eager is in the investor group with Jeff Bezos Pro. So of course he is. So a conspiracy theory or Strauss's conspiracy theory is somewhat coming to light. Um, and I will bet that CP3 will be involved post-retirement. That's my kind of conspiracy theory. I think once he retires, he will be getting some sort of in with that group going into Phoenix. Um, but what are your thoughts? Uh, right decision by Sava just to move on, shut that door and get on with life? From what I've been you know, reading about, more and more sponsors have been, you know, threatening to drop. And I think that, you know, I think when it really starts affecting your, your checkbook, your, your bank account, I think it's like, all right, enough's enough. Let's just fucking go on with it. Cause it's going to be a tough deal. Um, you know, I was listening to Draymond talk on his podcast about talking about the using the N word. And, you know, he went into this like huge thing about, a at the end, ER at the end, the use of it. I'm like, I was seeing fucking stars, you know, at the, I said, get, no, no mosque. Like this word should be fucking eliminated from human language, right? And if we're, it just it is what it is. I don't think he should have sold, but with the tidal wave of people against him, I think that, you know, I think he just sort of had enough, especially, you know, he's a big ego guy and, you know, he's basically going to be excommunicated from society in the, for the most part. And he's probably like, fuck it, you know, let's just go with it and, and move on. And the one thing is, folks, he gets to pick the, per- unlike Sterling, because he wasn't in his mental capacity and his wife sort of took over and sort of worked with the league to sell it. And they basically, you know, they had a lot to say of who they sold it to. He will have the say in it and he could, he could be vindictive and say, you know, CP was behind it. His boy's Bob Iger. Fuck it. I'll go to somebody else. So he doesn't necessarily have to go to the highest bidder, you know, and it will be interesting. It'll be interesting. It will be interesting to see if he says, you know what, I'm going to go to someone else just on, at a spite. Yeah. <laughs> um, a spite, you know, a spiteful uh, billionaire. That never happens. Yeah. Yeah. I'll take, I'll take a, you know, hundred, hundred, hundred million less, but I'll go to this person that will be interesting to watch. So, um, I'm just glad it's behind us. I think a guy, you know, Jock Landale or Lawndale, um, still hasn't called me back by the way. Oh, wow. Geez. Yeah. He's probably deleted your number. I I, I, I flicked a few texts with him and he said that, you know, they're all in, all in a, 
in a good spot on the club now. Everyone's happy to move on. The distraction, that, that kind of that dark cloud that was over their team. It would have sucked either way. Like I know Saba had his right to keep the team, but it would have sucked for the players to have that dark cloud over into Christmas and New Year's and you're trying to go back and repeat as, you know, potentially a conference finalist or going to the finals. Um, I think it's good to shut that door. I think, <clears throat> you know, Saba is... Probably one that's not 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 afraid of conflict, but I think no man can take the barrage he's take taken over the last probably you know two or three months. But even with the investigation, I think the investigation was one thing, but then once this all came out, he's probably you know like you know what I've got money, um, look after my family, you know probably got his own little group of friends and just going to move on with life and get out of that spotlight because it just would have been ongoing every single day. It would have been talking point every single day, another sponsor, and then, you know, they would have railroaded him out one way or another. So I think it's I think it's a good decision as far as just closing that door, move on, the Suns move on, good for the NBA, good for the Phoenix Suns, and now everyone can move on and talk about Ime Odoka for the next year. So <laughs> that's, that's kind of where all that's at. Um, ben Simmons' interview, your thoughts on that? I, I saw bits and pieces of it. I saw him... Him and Shaq go back and forth with each other. Um, I saw a little bit about kind of his mental health and where he was at. He claimed that Doc Rivers forced him on the court when he wasn't supposed to be. Uh, it wasn't a cell phone in his pocket pro. It was a, It was a. what was it, a towel, he claims, um, which, yeah, I mean, Shaq had his say about that, which is pretty funny. He started answering a phone with different objects that was in front of him, um, which was, that was on a podcast that I saw, but... Look, I mean, I think it was good for him to finally get out and, and, and tell his side of the story, whether you believe it or whether you don't. I think there's there's half-truths in his story, there's half-truths in everyone's story. Um, what's interesting about this one is after he was talking shit about Doc, Austin Rivers just chimed in and basically said that Ben's full of shit and why are you people believing him? So some twists and turns throughout it. How, how did you feel? Did you, did you feel he was you know genuine and honest throughout or did you think he was still kind of trying to find an excuse um, and then, you know, get on to, to his journey in Brooklyn. Yeah. I think he's just, again, delusional and not, and not taking responsibility for it. And maybe doc was a little old school and wanted him to, to man up and, and, and get out there and start, you know, start playing and, and being there for the team. And I think that, you know, it's easy just to sort of, sort of blame everybody else but yourself and you know you're an NBA player look you know we all have mental health stuff that we're dealing with and I just think that he wasn't taking responsibility and I, I was expecting like JJ to be a little bit tough on him you know and go back at him but he really didn't you know he just sort of like yesed him on with, yeah, with, the, soft interview. with the whole <laughs> thing soft. you know um, I was a little you know because JJ's sort of I like JJ because he's you know, he's pretty honest and pretty real on stuff. And I, I thought he would, I thought he would press him a little bit harder on it. And he didn't. And I just think. Yeah, but if you want players to continue to join your show, bro. Yeah, you're right. Um, you're right. He knows he knows a game. JJ knows a game. JJ would have received a, a, a list of things that I don't want to talk about or things that I'm happy to answer, but I don't want to go into too depth. And he, he would have followed that to a T. He, he knows that, you know, if you burn one or two players in the league, um, you're not going to get that call up. So he he's essentially has to look. Everyone's conflicted in life. Everyone's got everyone's got. I want to say a hidden agenda, but everyone's conflicted to different people or different push pulls, companies, this that. So even us at times, you know, it's it's human nature. But um, go on. No, I just thought he didn't take responsibility. You know, enough responsibility. And I think to blame Doc and blame this and blame that, 
you know, look, you don't want to shoot the ball. You're afraid. I don't give a fuck about how many, I don't give a fuck about how many Instagram videos that you making 27 in a row working out with a wife beater on. <laughs> you know, I think that you have to man up, fucking start shooting the ball. You know, look, everybody in the NBA, there's a lot of guys that go one for 11, one for 15. Fuck it. You shoot, you fucking shoot. You know, that's what we do. You know, you fucking, you get your ass kicked one night you fucking dust yourself off and you come out the fucking next night. Be, you know, just man the fuck up. I know he's got mental health. Okay, I, I can see that to a certain extent, but not to the extent that, you know, he, he's been doing some of the shit that he's been pulling throughout his career, you know? And now, look. Just bit, about being honest too, like I think he really could have just been honest about, dude, like you didn't want to take that dunk because I've been there before personally. So I, I, can, I can talk on this subject. I've been in positions where I've been 0 for 5, 0 for 6 from the free throw line. And I wasn't as aggressive getting to the hoop because I'm like, shit, I'm over six. I don't want to let my team down and brick another two. I've been there and it sucks. It's, it's awful, right? Um, that was clear as day. Is, is, that, that's what happened in that series. You had a wide open dunk. You didn't want to dunk it because you thought Trey was going to hack you and they put you in the free throw line. It was as simple as that. So just own it. Own it. And I think that's the first stage. Once you own it, I think it helps your mental health because you're owning it. You're saying, you know what? Yeah, I did. I, I, was, I was in my own head. I was one for eight, whatever I was. They were hacker shacking me at the start of the game. I thought I was going to get fouled. That's why I passed the ball. It wasn't because he was, you know, uh, Matisse was open. Like you look at the tape, and he, you know, he tries to claim that it was a split second thing and this and that. I don't think it was. I think it was as clear as you, you were struggling from the line. You want to get there. As a guy that's been in that position, I can speak on it. And I think if you just own it and you just admit it, just just have him admit it. Um, you move on with it. You can shut that door and you say, look, he had a struggle there, but I've worked on my, I've worked on X, Y, Z in the off season. Like I said, from from the start of this process, I think, you know, I'm not as kind of, I don't think it's as, as important for him to get a thousand shots up a day as it is to get some, I wouldn't say mental health well-being, I would say some 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 um, techniques that he can fall back on when he's in those, you know, that's the hardest thing. It's like, okay, 18,000 fans are booing me, I airboard a free throw, what's my fallback mentally? Where do I go? What do I do? How do I relay to get that next one up on the rim and at least give it a chance? That That's, I think, as important for him in this offseason. I mean, he might be doing that. We don't know about it. He just doesn't talk about it, right? But I think that's as important for him in this offseason than, you know, just hoisting up a thousand. Through, no, you know. I agree. Everyone, like you and I, like when we were, you know, I, I was shooting free throws with an empty gym, you, you're knocking them down. Like it's, <laughs> it's much easier. There's less distractions. You haven't, you know what I mean? But, uh, you know, I think he's going to have a good regular season again. And I think that that it's going to rear its ugly head in the playoffs once the game slows down and they can hack. They can put him on the free throw line. So um, I think the sooner he owns that, the better, and we get better. And I think then he'll get better with his game and knowing his efficiencies. But the last thing you want is, is, is you know, him getting to a playoff series and they can't play in the last four or five minutes of the fourth quarter, right? Um, as one of their, you know, he's probably their best defender on the team, um, one of their elite defenders. He makes a fair point in that interview saying, hey, people forget I guarded the best player on, on, on every team. And you did. He, he was fantastic at that. But in playoff basketball, you can't have a guy that's locking down their best player, but then you come back down and the team can just pick on you in the offensive end as well, right? So it's it's interesting. I've been there, I've been there Bogues. Like, with Rondo, Rondo came to us in a trade in December. He was shooting like 40 plus from the line, like 43. And, you know, we started working with Carlisle, started working with Hoger and just sort of wasn't working. And we finally got together and I said, look, you got to, first of all, we got to develop some techniques, some breathing, some, you know, some techniques you could have at the line, soften your shot up, hold and follow throughs. But the most important thing is you got to continue to try to get there. 
you know, and then we worked on it every night after after games. We'd go down and we would shoot for about 45 minutes and make sure that he made all his shots. And but just like same thing every time. But I'm like, look, you got to be able to get there. We ended up shooting like 75 from the line the last 20 games. And the biggest thing was getting there. The mental part of it. Look, if you go 0 for 7, who gives a fuck? You got to have the balls to fucking get there continuously. Be consistent with your routine. Be consistent with your breathing. Don't let that shit get to you. And you just got to keep shooting. It's not about, like you said, it's not about shooting a thousand shots a day. That ain't about that. It's about being consistent with your routine, your technique, you know, having something that you could fall back on breathing wise and then visualization. But, you know, you can't be afraid to get there because it's not just going to happen, you know, oh, you know, November, I'm just going to show up and I'm going to start getting to the free throw line and being marked fucking price. That shit ain't going to happen. You got to like go through the struggle of going 0 for 8. Look at Giannis. People want to kill him for shooting. Even when he was going, you know, was like shooting 40, you know, he'd go 4 for 10 in a game. He was still going hard as fuck to get fouled and wrapped up and get back to that line. He never... He never wavered. And then he would have those games where he went 10 for 10 because he went through the struggles of missing, kept his routine, never was afraid. You game know? six, right? Yeah. Game six. Now it took him 18. Finals, right? it, Wasn't he? It, yeah, it took him 18 seconds to shoot his fucking free throw, but he still finally <laughs> fucking <laughs> made fuck it. Yeah, fuck it. There's almost more pressure there at times when the crowd was like counting and he was yes. getting to 11, 12, 13. He didn't give a shit. And no. he knocked them down when it counted, you know, so... Yeah. I guess it's, it, it is hard when you're in that mental space at times and you just hope he figures it out. But um, I think the interview was was pretty – a bunch of softballs um, from JJ Redick. There wasn't a whole lot there in my opinion. Um, but it was just good to have Ben out there at least giving a message. Um, let's hope he, he comes and has a great season. I think everyone wants to see him do well. Um, but moving on to that, Pro, the <clears throat> MBPA and NBA are discussing measures to allow players to cite mental health issues as an ailment similar to physical injuries. I think this is a huge slippery slope. I'm big on, you know, mental health and, and you know, that is an important part of the game as we've talked about numerous times in this podcast. The mental aspect of the game becomes almost more than the physical, especially mid to late career. I think this is a slippery slope because with injuries you can somewhat – you can go get MRI or an X-ray and be like, "Yep, your leg's broken, your ankle's broken, you got swelling." <laughs> My thing is, this is going to be used the wrong way. Um, I think more than the right pro, and I think I, I don't know whether it's sixty forty, but just knowing how NBA players are, how their agents are, how GMs and coaches are. Let's say you have a player that wants to trade and that the team doesn't want to trade him, a la Ben Simmons. Um, let's put aside Ben Simmons and, and that let, let's just buy Ben Simmons that everything was mental health related, right? You're going to have players use this to their advantage, pro, and there's no real way to determine it. Like you can you can go and sit with a psych and get analyzed for an hour and I can tell you that I'm crazy. I can tell you that I'm depressed. I can tell you that I'm. everyone knows all the key talking points these days. Now, there is going to be players that have this, right? There is going to be that, that. That's why there's no. I, I just don't know how you implement this rule, pro. I don't know what your thoughts are, but to to have this as a staple rule that someone can just say, you know, three game road trip to Milwaukee, Indiana, and and Detroit on cold night. Uh, I might need a mental health break, pro. I'm, I'm just going to sit this one out for ten days, you know. And what, what's the team going to do? They can't. They can't be like, uh, can we can we do some testing to see if you're right to go? <laughs> No, I, my, my mentals aren't right. And that's, there's going to be players, maybe I'm cynical, but I think there's going to be more using it in the wrong way than the right. 
I totally agree. I mean, I, I think their players sometimes just want, you know, they want something as a crutch and they're going to use it and going to use it to their advantage, especially ones that struggle. And, you know, they, cause they've never really dealt with struggle that much before in their career. And now they're dealing with struggle. They're dealing with a head coach. that's on them a little bit, the pressure of performing and, and, and really, you know, carrying things. I think that they're going to definitely use it to, you know, th- um, their advantage and they're going to take advantage of the rule. Um, not every player is like that, obviously, but I think that if a player is going through struggle instead of owning it and dealing with it, they, they're going to find something to, you know, a crutch that they could rely on to get them out of a situation. And I think they're going to use it. I'm sorry. I do think that people use mental health and all of society, not just basketball to their advantage when they can't deal with the rigors of real life and they can't deal with reality. I think that sometimes this stuff happens and it's unfortunate, but I do think that it is a slippery slope. I understand that you want to win the press conference and you want to be there for mental, you know, mental health of the league. But I think a lot of people are going to take advantage of this. And and it kills the people who really have issues, pro. Like people that really, really have some issues, whether they stem from childhood, being grown up in a domestic violence household, um, outside of basketball, you know, someone that's, that's, that's had, you know, instances dealing with rape or whatever, those people need help, right? And when they come out, I think their voice gets kind of muted amongst other people that are using it for the wrong reasons or, 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 or not really true in, in what they're doing. And for, for everyone out there, there's a difference between adversity and mental health problems. And that's where we need to differentiate the line between those two. Adversity sucks at times. Like adversity – like. I took losses harder than anyone. There were times I hate, like you'd be driving home, I played like shit, we lost, it was my fault, I fumbled the rebound or I turned it over. I'm, I'm, I am kind of depressed and, and I should be, right? Not to a point where I'm doing something silly, but you want that up and down to learn from it, right? And, and there's, there's, my whole thing is the difference between an adversity and just straight away saying, oh, I don't feel good because I lost, that must be a mental health problem. Like, no, not necessarily. Like nine times out of 10, that's the right feeling. Now use that fuel for the next game, right? Whereas I think we're just too quick to label into like, oh, I've got a mental health problem or I'm depressed or you know, I don't want to get up tomorrow and go to work. And it's, uh, it's a tough one because like I said, it's not something that you can diagnose with a cast or a rehab program or get in the gym and lift some weights. It's... I just, I just hope people use it for the right reasons. I don't think they will. I hope people, you know, because it, it hurts the pe- the very people that have the issues and need the facilities and need the help. It eats up their kind of access to that stuff. Number one and number two, it it, it just it just mutes the conversation because people are like, oh, here we go again, another person with mental health uh, issues. Um, you don't, you don't want that. But I, I think this is a dangerous dangerous path for the NBA to go on. I think they know that, but I just don't think there's any way out of it. I think they're halfway down the line it looks like it's gonna it's gonna eventuate so we'll watch that space and see if this is used or when not if when is this going to be used for someone to get traded um, because we've, we've seen you know we'll see someone have mental health issues get traded and then they found some world-renowned psych at the next team and they're playing three nights later that's they're the people I have an issue with um, so we'll see how that goes in another rule change pro uh, the eligibility age eligibility for the NBA is going to go back down to 18 from 19. For the NBA draft from they say 2024 25, somewhere around there. 
This has a little bit of a consequence to the NBL. They have the NBL Next Star rule at the moment. For those not familiar, you can get a kid out of high school. Uh, the NBL fronts a lot of money for it, helps pay that salary um, and, and living expenses and whatnot. And then the buyout somewhat shared with the club and the league. I won't go too specifics about you know exactly how it works, but it's along those lines. And that rule was implemented because the NBL saw an opportunity with uh, players that didn't want to go to college that were 18, couldn't go into the NBA, so they come to Australia for a year. And it's done wonders for our league for the most part. With Mellow Ball, a few other guys, RJ Hampton came here. Um, we had a few guys that, that did really well and helped the profile of the league. So that's going to hurt the NBL because you know now you've got the opportunity to go straight straight to the NBA and not have that year. Do you like it pro or do you not care about the 18-19 rule? I don't think it's a big difference for 18 to 19 in my opinion. I mean, I think a, a year of college does does do some help or a year or two of college does definitely help um, getting, you know, a lot of these AAU babies and, and high school superstars go into a program where they've got a coach that's going to kick their ass for a couple of years and demand, be on time, uh, 6 a.m. conditioning sessions, get to class, you know, dot, dot your I's, cross your T's type mentality. I think it's a good thing, um, but I don't think the one year makes that much of a difference, bro. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a fan of, of players going to college not for the coaching they get because a lot of the coaches these days that coach these guys will coach the 92 dream team to a bronze medal. I'm not a big fan of college coaches. There are a few that I really like, but they, a lot of times the players it's hands off. They don't really, you know, there's a few that do a great job, but you know, I, I like it more for they play in big games. They play in conference tournament games. They play in rivalry games. They play on the road, hostile environment, you know, and they're able to at least for one year figure some stuff out. Um, and now with the NIL and a lot of these guys at the power fives making really good money, I think that it, it is good for them. I think that, you know, going to the NBL, I think that the G League elite, um, I don't know much about the overtime elite, but they, they, there's another avenue. And I think there's avenues where these big time players could make really good money and still develop. You know, I'd rather the college, but um, the college aspect to me is better. But the whole one year, like, what is it going to do? It's it, your rookie contract. You're not making all that much money. You know, you're making decent money, but after taxes and all that, you know, with your NIL money and all that, it's not all that different in some situations, unless you're a top five or eight pick, I guess. But, you know, it, it gets you to your next contract a year earlier. I get all that. But I do like that these players. Risk of injury. Yeah, risk of injury. I don't really carry the way. I like baseball, where baseball allows you to come out for the draft in high school. Or if you do sign, it's like three years. So you can either come out of high school or you got to stay in college for three. You can't do both for the most part. I like that rule, but hey, fuck it. If they're going to do a year earlier, you know, it's less jobs for veterans. It's going to cut some guys off a little bit. But if that's, you know, that's the way they want to do it, this whole league, the whole world's about money. So that, you know, they think they're getting screwed here and there. Fine. You know, let them come a year earlier. I do like the college deal. It is going to dry up the G League and Ignite. It is going to dry up the NBL stuff. You know, it's going to dry up overtime elite to a certain extent because these guys can go to the draft. But you're going to have a lot of these kids coming out for the draft, not getting drafted. And then what do they do? They're going to sign with agents. They're not going to be able to go back to school. And now they're going to be floating around. So it'll be an interesting deal. Um, yeah, I'm not really, I don't care either way, to be honest. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the same. I think it can be valuable, but look, there's a lot of guys that with that one-year deal, you know, go to college for a year, don't go to class. Yeah, <laughs> just most of them. And yeah. Treat it, treat it pretty poorly anyway. So, I mean, what's the difference at this point? You might as well just let them go straight straight to be a, a pro, but it does affect the NBL next star rule is the, the point of that. CJ McCollum agrees to a two-year $64 million extension. He's now tied to the Pelicans for four years at $133 million. Andre Guadalla's back. Um, he said he's just come back solely for Steph um, in, in his Andre way. So, uh, look, I think he's valuable. He's a, he's a he's another coach on the floor for him. I don't think he's going to give him a lot of minutes. Um, I think he'll, he'll he'll pick his spots. I know his body was pretty well banged up last season, but he still has that little bit of an itch left. Boyan Bogdanovich to Detroit for Kelly Olenek and Saban Lee. This is an interesting one because you would have thought a contender would pick up Boyan and would be much more uh, valuable in a contender. I, I wonder, Pro, if he ends up sticking it out in Detroit. And finally, Jay Crowder. This one caught me by surprise. So he's, he's in the doghouse with Phoenix. They've agreed to have him not participate in training camp because he didn't want to report. Um, you can touch on the other ones in a second, but J- Jay Crowder, did, what have I missed here? Has he requested a trade? Did he want an extension? Why, why all the sour milk right now? I'm a huge fan of Jay Crowder. Jay's one of those players that is an old school, tough guy, you know, um, enforcer. He's just wired like that. Um, I think it, it was financially motivated. I think that he probably, he wanted, he probably wanted an extension. He probably felt as though he wasn't going to get it. That's the only thing that I could see. He fit in there. He did a great job there. Um, you know, maybe with Bridges and, you know, in Johnson, maybe they were going to take some minutes and some opportunity. I don't know. It's very strange to me because I thought that they were all in. And I thought, you know, I'm a big fan of that team of what they're, you know, what, what they have talent wise, especially with the role players. And it just it, it, it really took me by surprise that. Um, that this happened, and but I think it's financially motivated. He he was feeling disrespected, but I mean they got such a good team, you know. Like they got that lineup of Paul Booker, Bridges, Crowder, and Aiton, and then you got guys like Cam Johnson. Maybe with the whole Cam Johnson thing, they're bringing him along to have more of a role. I don't know, but um, they're going to work out something. There was no talks about extension, was there? There was no. You know, um, I don't know what his contract situation is. You know it better than me. I need to look it up. But um, yeah, I mean, it's it's just a strange one that this close with with like you said, they, they, they were they were a championship, one of the top five championship favorites. To now just saying oh, I'm not reporting, I'm out of here. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what to think about it. Let me see. Oh, he is a free agent. Ten million. Yeah. Um, ten. Yeah. Ten point two this year. 10.2 this year. So I assume you want an extension and they probably said, kick rocks. We've got a lot of young guys we need to pay. And he said, all right, fuck you all, I'm out. <laughs> That's probably as simple as that. We're probably reading too much into it, but that that it wasn't in the media. Usually these things get broken. The agent will leak it, blah, 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 try to put pressure on the Suns. Um, but I think he's a valuable piece for him. I think playing him at the stretch four at times, tough, nitty gritty guy, great defender, can knock down the three ball. They're going to miss him. So we'll see where that all eventuates. Um, anything else on those other signings? Yeah, Bo, uh, Bo, uh, you know, the, the McCollum I like. I mean, they got a really good team. Um, I think New Orleans, if, if everything happens well with Zion, he could stay healthy. He's a big part of that team. And I think that, you know, extended him, you know, two years, 64, you know, with these contracts these days, it's, you know, it's like 
you know, it's like a buck and a half, you know, why not? Um, pro, Zion Williamson is in the best shape of his life, pro. His trainer came out and made these comments. I'm not sure if you saw that. It was his trainer and he said, the best shape you'll ever see this guy in, but it was, it was his personal trainer. So am I. I'm at 255 instead of 256. So, you know, I'm in the best shape of my life. <laughs> Um, I just love when the media goes and quotes a trainer of a guy like this, like the, the the guy's getting paid probably two, three, four hundred thousand dollars a year from the player. Do you think the do you think his trainer's going to be like, ah, oh, he's, he's being a piece of shit? And like, <laughs> he shows up at nine a.m. when I want him there at seven. He's drinking all the Mountain Dew that sponsors him. I can't get him out of bed. Like, <laughs> come on, seriously, they don't even quote it at that point. Like, it's so oh, that's just, the thing. It's, it's the same thing with training camp, folks. Every. Every fucking player that can't shoot can shoot. Everybody that, you know. Uh, uh, well, I get that to an extent, pro, because they're trying to sell season tickets and they're trying to, you know, sell the hype and the sizzle. But, like, who in the fucking media goes and asks a player's trainer, hey, how's he doing? Has there ever been one trainer that was like, ah, terrible? <laughs> like, no. <laughs> come no. on, dude. Not one that like, wants gonna, to stay employed, yeah, anyway. no. No. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's like, where'd you go to journalist school, dude? Like, it, it, it's, it's like asking, you know, the president's advisor for, you know, some some negative press that you've heard. Like, dude, like, what do you th- what answer do you think they're going to give you? But anyway, um, oh, and then the Bogdanovich yeah. thing. Um, I'm a fan. I, I thought that Ainge would at least get a pick out of it. Uh, he didn't get one. He got two average players. He drafted Olenek in Boston in 2013. Uh, Saban Lee's okay. And, you know, he, I, I've heard that he didn't want to take on salary, you know, like a lot of teams that were trying to offer picks back. Um, he didn't want to offer, he didn't want to bring down salary. I think he said no to one trade because of Jared Vanderbilt. He wanted to keep him there, but you know, look, I mean, this Detroit team is shaping up to be pretty good folks. We, you know, we'll go over it obviously as the preseason goes on, but you're talking about a, you know, Cade Cunningham, Jaden Ivey, they just drafted, who's, you know, one of the best players in the draft. Sadiq Bay's good. Then you got Marvin Bagley and Stewart. Now you're shaping up, you know, you got Bogdanovich coming off the bench or, you know, and with a couple other players that aren't, that aren't bad. That's a good, I, I love the pickup for Detroit. You gave up almost, you know, two average players for a guy who averaged 18 and four last year. Um, I'm a fan. And yeah, that's about it. Yeah, it's just a matter of if Boyan wants to stay there. That's what I'm saying. He's, he's getting older in years. He might want to go to a winner, but he's, he doesn't seem like that guy that's going to complain too much. He'll just come in and play his role and be a bucket for him. But that's, I just thought it was strange. I mean, Detroit's scratching the plane, maybe, maybe scratching playoffs, maybe. Um, I think still think they're a year away from, from actually competing in the playoffs. But um, yeah, I just wonder if it all pans out or if he gets bought out before the deadline, that's all. Yeah, that's a good point. I think he'll stay though, in my opinion. Yeah, it was, okay. The NBA, another new rule, Pro. They've instituted a rule change this season in an effort to limit the prolonged standing of bench players and coaches while preventing the crowding of the sideline. A team will first receive a warning followed by a delay of game warning. Then the team will be penalized with a technical foul. Teams will also be caught from a sports like for technical foul for bench players who enter the court or make it a distracting move towards play. So this is obviously because, was it David Vanderpool? Um Vanderpool and Theo Pinson yeah. from the Dallas Mavericks. And, uh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's big on yeah, that. Yep. He's- yeah, so distracting shooters in the corner. You know, this is just going to be one of those things that uh, I don't know how you police it. I don't know how long is too long. I don't know, you know, um, you want to cheer for your team. You don't want to, you know, I think stand it up. Maybe they'll have some rule like after a big bucket, you can stand up and clap and then sit straight down. I, I don't know, but just another rule to be 
aware of. It'll be fun to watch that policed, um, especially in close games, pro, where the, where the referee has the nuts to call a technical foul on someone with two minutes left in the fourth. Um, yet to be seen. The NBL blitz is over, pro. Um, Adelaide get a championship. Uh, they win. They win the preseason chip. Now people are sometimes people disrespect preseason championships. Um, yeah. I'm I'm okay with it. I'm I'm okay with celebrating it to an extent. I'm not all about getting rings like they did in summer league, although that was a bit crazy. But I think you know we made that decision in Golden State when I, when I first got there about um, our summer league team, saying you know no one treats summer league seriously. Everyone just goes in. Wins aren't important. We're going to treat this important. We're, we're going to treat this like we're, we're trying to win this thing, and we're going to set that mentality from day one. And three or four of those players ended up on our roster and continue that mentality. So I think it can be valuable. You don't want to go over the top, but I think it's a good thing for Adelaide. They haven't had a lot of success lately, so compliment them there. Um, Ariel Huck Porty Pro, he was on the NBA draft boards, uh, big man with Melbourne United. Um, he unfortunately does his Achilles, so he'll be out for at least a year. Big out for Melbourne United. They had a lot invested in him. They have Isaac Humphreys. Thankfully, they signed him late in free agency. He was a fringe NBA guy. Big body helps them. At least they've got an insurance policy, but you hate to see that for the young kid as, as much as the rivalry between Melbourne and Sydney. You never want to see an injury like that. Um, he's out, but yeah, the NBL blitz, hard, hard to gauge exactly what's going on. Um, a lot of teams don't play a lot of their guys. We had a few guys banged up. Um, so you just want to make sure. The biggest thing for me is with preseason pro is, you know, all the players that get on the plane to go to that preseason tournament, you want to make sure they're getting back on that plane walking. <laughs> you, you know, you, the worst thing as a, as a team owner, as a coach, as a GM is having someone get hurt in preseason when the game doesn't even matter. So, um, we were fortunate that no one, no one has picked up anything long term. A few little niggles here and there, and I think most teams are in pretty good shape. But um, you know, well wishes to Ariel Porty. We hope he hope he gets well, pro. Yeah, it's, you never want to see that, folks. I mean, guys getting hurt in preseason and practice, and you know that's the thing. It's like Russian roulette every every day. It's just you never know. So trying to give those guys the best opportunity, you know. Um, yeah, it just uh, it's it's so sad to see the injury, especially a young kid that that will have a chance to be you know a high draft pick. You know, good thing about modern science, a lot of these guys who do Achilles, especially young, you know, early on in their career, they 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 could still have you know eighty five ninety percent of what they were going to do, but it does it does hamper you for a while. It probably take two you know two years to get you back to even close to one hundred percent. Yeah, it stinks. Especially but, as a big guy, heavier, yeah, heavier body. Yeah. Athletic, kind of the Andre Jordan type body. Um, so we'll see how he goes. All right, Dabble real quick. Dabble is betting meets social media. Dabble, you can follow your friends, mates, whoever, pro, me. Who knows? Stalk the experts, trending tipsters, scroll through trending bets and copy them all in one tap. Get alerts when your mates and experts tipsters place bets. And most importantly, you can follow me on there, Andrew Bogart, all one word. It's a cool app. You can banter back and forth. Uh, there's some chat streams you can jump in. Um, I've actually met a lot of people out and about that are actually on the app and, and have complimented how fun it is to use with all the emojis and whatnot. So we appreciate the support. Dabble socially, gamble responsibly, and be smart with it. Stats, useful or useless, pro? A few, two, two this week only. Um, so pro, th- there have been approximately 4,500 individuals that have played at least one minute in the NBA all time. Useful or useless? For me, it's useful to see how many people have played in the league for a long time. I mean, think about it. The league lasted, what, in the 50s? I think it started, maybe a little less. And you're talking about about 70 years, 4,500 players. It's always good to see how many players played the NBA. I think it's pretty cool. 
Yeah, useful. And that was that was actually tweeted by Kyrie Irving, funnily enough. Interesting. Um, just talking about how how special it is and how people take it for granted. I mean, forty five hundred individuals in the whole world since inception have of the ever NBA played, yeah. what is that, 70, 70 years have ever played one minute in the NBA. That's pretty phenomenal. So count myself lucky to be one of those and very thankful for it. So uh, useful or useless pro, CP3 has been on a team with three ownership changes in his NBA career, pro. Useful, useless. Useless but entertaining, for sure. Just to figure, <laughs> figure that out. It's, uh, like the Scott Foster, it's like the Scott Foster CP3 thing. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy though. That's crazy. It is because some, you know, you, some sometimes you you never have an ownership change. I haven't been part of one formally. Um, Senator Cole was my owner in Milwaukee, and then Lakers was already there when I got to Golden State, so that doesn't count for me. Most players don't go through one at all. Uh, he's been through three, um, which is interesting. But uh, yeah, pretty pretty useless, but just a fun fact to throw out there. Fact or fake news, pro? What do you have? <laughs> well, you know what? I'm going to give you a useful, useless. Jay Crowder, I, I listened, I, I'm starting to listen to Frank Isola and uh, Brian Scalabrini on when I'm, you know, driving to high schools to do workouts in the morning. And I, they, they had this one from Stat Views. Jay Crowder has more career playoff points than Derrick Rose, Tracy McGrady, Drew Holiday, and Anthony Davis. Wow. Useful or useless? That's pretty useful. Yeah, I mean, look, it's I'd be holder. He's played many, much more games, but he's, he's he's a winner, man. He's been on winning teams. I never would have picked some of those names. Not D Rose. And um, they had some long seven game series in Chicago when he was there too. He's, so he's made the playoffs yeah. nine out of ten seasons. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, that's a that's a, that's that's useful. Um, credit to Jake Ratter. Yeah, credit to fucking Brian Scalabrini and fucking uh, Frank Isola for fucking... Stat Muse. Yeah, Stat Muse. Hey, good good job, guys. Good job, guys. So, all right, that, that was my um, one and only ever uh, useful, useless stat, just to liven things up. All right, fact or fake news, Bogues. Obviously, it's going to be centered around Imi. Uh, Adoka, we got a two-part question. Ime. It's, Ime. Who's Ime, bro? You, hey, you said Bob Eager. Who the fuck is Eager? He's Iger. Bob Iger, by the way. So Fair yeah. point. Noted. <laughs> All right. Uh, Ime. Does Ime uh, last a year before resigning or get or getting fired? Does he last a year? I think the running is on the wall. Um, I think, uh, uh, no, fake news, he doesn't last a year. I think he's gone. I think the one year just, it, it, it's kind of setting the trap for him to maybe walk. I don't know if this is a cheeky way for Boston to maybe have him say, you know what, I'm walking away. And then what happens, like you said, with the contract. But I think this all gets wrapped up within the year and he's moving on to, to either somewhere else. You can't, I just don't think in today's day and age with cancel culture and, and, and whatnot and people getting so fired up online um, that you can then just a year later, block your ears and say, oh, welcome back, Udoka. Oh, we're happy to have you back after, you know, hope you've been working on your game. Um, just don't think it's going to happen. And what is he doing the next, next year? What's he doing? Is he just, he's just sitting at home on the couch? Um, um, he's staying, he still be- he's staying home. He's not going to, you know, he's not going to ring anybody's doorbell with a camera. He's going to stay home. He's oh, we forgot to mention that as well. It, it was reported that, <laughs> it was reported that one of the women involved her husband found out about the relationship with Udoka through a, a, a doorbell camera thing, whatever you call them. Um, that's ouch. But anyway, yep, do go on. So what are you saying, fact or fake news? Uh, I'm, I'm saying fake fake news. Uh, here's the thing. It's just too much negativity with it. It's too much. They've gone too far in the sense that they've gone too far down the road. Um, 
you know, I like the way they handled it. It's too much negativity. It's too much distraction. And here's the thing, folks, that a lot of people got to understand. This league is about talent. It's about 90% talent, 10% coaching. You could have Red Auerbach, a DNA milkshake of Red Auerbach, Phil Jackson, you know, you know, Bill Belichick. It doesn't matter. If you have talent, you're going to be in a position to be successful. If you don't have talent, like your coaches are going to coach it up, you know, to that much of the NBA. So they've got their roster. Maybe five games a year. Yeah, maybe five, five games. games maybe. maybe five and, games. And, and that coach could push a team that's maybe like right there over the edge. Look, they've got their young talent signed up. You know, they've got everybody, everything in the organization's there. You got Brad Stevens there. You got a young coach, you know, and Joe Missoula that you never know. I think he'll be fine. He'll have talent. He'll go through his bumps like Spolster did in Miami when they gave him this team right off the bat. He gave, they gave him a championship level team. I think that they'll be fine. I think they're going to move on. I think, you know, unless there's something huge that happens, I think that Joe Mazzullo will be the coach long term. You know, like Frank Vogel did it when he was in Indiana when his coach got fired and he, you know, he he rallied the troops. And I've seen it happen. I think he'll be fine. I think he's gonna be, you know, he'll have the talent. I think he's fine. I think he gets fired. Um, but I do think that they needed to be like, you know what, you you sort of fucked us here. You know, here's the year suspension, and then they're gonna figure it out at the end of the year. They're gonna let him go, or they're gonna come to some mutual agreement. He will be gone. Part two, will he coach in the 23-24 season? He will coach in the 23 Fake news. No, he won't. He won't. Um, look, the head coach, definitely not. I mean, maybe he scratches on, as I said, and works his way back up as an assistant. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's going to be a couple of years since you see him around the NBA again. Uh, so I'll go fake news. If, if, the, if it's an assistant, I think he's got more of a chance. But as a, as a head coach, absolutely fake news. Yeah, I say fake news. I think he will coach again as a head coach. I think probably latest... 24-25. Now, I will say it, it, some some things have to happen in his favor. A, there was no physicality in like him forcing himself on these women, you know, to prolong these relationships. And then also there was no confrontation that's going to come out. If, if everything sort of stays the way it is, I think people are forgiving. He's an ex-player, coach under the pop tree, made a final. I'm not saying that that's right. You know, that, that sort of, you know, that should erase everything that's happened. I don't think that, but I think we are in a forgiving society, especially for ex players, you know, that, that do this for one reason or another. I do think that obviously next year will be too, way too fast, but I do think within a couple of years, somebody who's going to say, you know what? The guy play, you know, pay. Uh, here's what I think. I think somebody's going to hire him. Pro- maybe Pop will hire him as an assistant. And I think that, like, surely not Pop. He's too woke. Like, he's he's very woke, man. Pop can't do that. That's, yeah, well, not, come on, man. Yeah, I've seen crazier things. And then uh, <laughs> I think you know, Pop. You know, then it's going to be like, oh, you know, he deserves a second chance. You know, and I think that they'll cleanse him for his sins. 
And for the, as long as it doesn't go overboard, and then I think somebody's going to rehire him. Look, you know, and, and the, the C as well, pro the C that you're forgetting that he has the Imadoka better hope that none of these women are married to like a Liam Neeson type. You know, um, that would be C. You know, he's got to yeah. <laughs> I, I was just back for a couple of years. Yeah, absolutely, he does. Look, man, you know, uh, fuck. We've talked about this and killed it already. But it's just, man, I, I just don't understand it. You had the world by the balls. You're a first-year coach, made the finals. They love you in that town. You have women all over the place. If this was some girl he met at a bar, nobody would give a fuck. It'd be 48 hours, you know, and then gone. Why he had a fuck around with a girl or women in his own organization. That's what I don't understand. You've got everything going for you. And that's the thing. Like, I don't understand it. Like, he, he's a good-looking dude. He's a young guy. He can get it anywhere. He can get it anywhere. From being a grotesque motherfucker that nobody, you know, that, you know, that nobody would ever love again, I could tell you that. He's a he fucking, I don't understand it. I don't know, pro. We put it, we put a head coach label on you. Things might change. You might be, you might start looking slimmer and look like you have hair all of a sudden to some people, you know? Folks, I'm not going to ever slim down and I don't think I'll ever. No, have I'm hair saying you, you might, you don't physically have to. I'm saying when you get that head coaching tab and, and a different, a few more zeros on that, on Dude, that account, 10 bro, million. You, know, you start, you start looking better. Dude, he would have made, I mean, it still could happen, you know, down the road, but like, that's a hundred million he would have made minimum. I mean, he was going to be the next like Doc Rivers, you know, like championship, yeah, potential Hall of Fame. Yeah, there's, there's a lot that goes in it, but there's there's one thing pro that's undefeated, and yes, that's, that's women. You know, they're, they're the one one million one billion and zero. Um, when, you, when you get involved man. in those kind of relationships, you get yourself in trouble. Pro, I have one for you. Oh. I have a fact or fake news, just because you know I want to reciprocate the fact sure. that you made a you took time out of your day to find a useful and useless stat for us. So I really appreciate that. While you were driving, you're penning it down on paper. Yeah. Impressive. Impressive, but the new rule I mentioned about the the bench pro, the bench standing up, sitting down, all that bullshit. Um, fact or fake news: the new NBA rule will last beyond January. <laughs> uh, fake news, fake news. They're gonna fucking. It's like the travel call that that, that fucking referee. Exactly. Yeah, that, that referee comes <laughs> That's where in. I'm going with it. Yeah, yeah. Fake news. They're not. Oh, gonna the preseason is gonna be brutal. Preseason is gonna yeah. be three hour games because there's gonna be. F- 40 texts for standing up and waving your arms. It'll go on into November, maybe December, and then January, you'll never hear about it again or until LeBron does it, either or. How about those jerk-off assistants that try to fucking get on the camera every other fucking play that's <laughs> screaming like a little fucking leprechaun fucking what the play is calling? You know, how about those yeah, fucking A good friend, Daryl Ehrman, are you calling Erm out? That's Erm's role, baby. No, uh, Oh, you mean the Russian spy? No, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not talking about the Russian spy. But um, yeah, I, you know, folks, you know what's going to happen. There's going to be, nine, like you said, 9,000 texts, but no one's going to give a fuck past January 1. It's going to be too much. You know, it, you can have all these like guys from organizations trying to rescind the fine. It's just like, it's going to be, they're going to put their hands up. Totally agree. All right, that's another week. Hope you enjoyed. Let us know your thoughts around everything we spoke about. A little bit controversial there to discuss that Imei thing because you can never get it right or wrong completely. 
Um, but let us know what you think, and we will see you all next week. Thanks, bro. Later, Bogs. Later, everybody. Let's get rogue.